0: Welcome to the Viktor Frankl Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Viktor Frankl and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. welcome back to the meaning academy podcast baruch Halevi here with my good friend dr daniel franz dr dan what's happening
1: everything and nothing my brother all kinds of good stuff keeping busy keeping uh man keeping the meaning academy top of mind for me just always working on on the stuff we're doing the meaning masterminds we have every thursday at 3 p.m right after recording this and then uh trying to figure out what else our meaning seekers want. I, that's been a lot of fun, right? You and I have had ideas. We've been working on this, goodness sake, a year now or so and really bring it to fruition in the past couple months with our, our meaning uh, masterminds. And now I think we're at a point of just you know putting it out there. What more can we do to serve this community and, and how do we grow, um, grow this message?
0: That's right. You know, as we're recording this, we're sort of winding down or wrapping up this summer. Lots of good, you know, uh, vacation time, experiences, exploration. But I know you're in the same place as me. It's like, let's hit this fall running. Let's get some new programming. And so we're, you know, putting it out there to our listeners. What are you interested in?
1: Our thoughts are
0: some, of course, Viktor Frankl exploration through um Academics, but you know, just a little teaser. I do imagine one day we'll have the Victor Frankel meaning experience going overseas, back to his homeland. Um, so I'm kind of playing with that right now, exploring what what that might mean to go on a tour of uh, Victor Frankel's life. But what? Tell us, send us emails, um, let us know what you're interested
1: in. Well, I know that very idea has brought. Um... Uh, one individual to tears hearing it live. And I know every time I think about it, I get a little pretty excited. And, uh, okay, another spoiler alert since we're putting it out there. Um, had the pleasure of chatting with – I said this to my wife this morning. I said, you know, it's pretty cool that I get to email Victor Frankl's grandson when I feel like it, and he usually gets back to me, and that his, uh, his <sighs> former son-in-law um, is also – uh, somebody that I get to interact with. So, emailed uh, Alex Vesely and his dad, uh, uh, Franz, yesterday. I said, hey, look, I'm thinking about, you know, spending some time in Vienna here in the next year. Where is it good, you know, where where do I start? Where's some good places to see Dr. Frankel history? And they both got back to me uh, this morning, which, that be afternoon their time, but said, Hey, here's, here's a link. Here's a list. Here's all the cool places you can go. And, um, you know, if you know, when you're coming, you know, Alex said, hit me up, love to meet up and, and show you some, some personal places too. So very cool. This idea that we had just a few, a few months ago, maybe, maybe even longer for you is really getting some meat on it. I mean, it's not going to be long before, you know, this, this podcast and this academy becomes a, a, a tour of you know, not just, I mean, touching Dr. Frankel's life. Um, I'm so excited for that, it's gonna be amazing.
0: Well, and also with our curriculum, you know, just sharing out loud what we have come to, but, excuse me, Um, we want it to be not just academic, academic is part of it, knowledge, intellectual, engaging, but also experiential, because the topics, certainly the topic we're gonna take on right now but also you know the work of dr frankel and i think the greatness of logotherapy one sec still recovering from long illness um is that it's logotherapies to be lived and i I think that's one of the reasons why we both struggle calling it logotherapy because logotherapy has a A negative connotation or a a particular connotation, which is academic by nature or clinical by nature or something that happens behind closed doors. When the work of Viktor Frankl was meant to be lived out in the marketplace, out in the real world, out in your business, in your marriage, whatever. And so whatever we do, I know we're committed to both academics, but also experience.
1: Well, and I think that's the funny thing about us. You and I can go neck deep into the uh, academia of logo therapy pretty quickly, pretty easily. We've studied it, you know, the better portion of our professional lives and and it takes, uh, you know, our good friend, Scott uh, on, on the meaning masterminds to, to bring it to the practical world. Like, um, so how, how do you apply this to poker? Which I just saw the release of your new podcast with Scott talking about responsible <laughs> and meaningful poker play. Can't wait to listen to that. But, it's so true. And I think that's why we need audience participation. Like what do you, what kind of experiences, right? Yeah. We can put together a big expansive, you know, 10 to 14 day trip to, to touch these, these milestones of logotherapy and Dr. Frankel. But what else do you need? You know, we've, we have thrown around you. I I don't even want to count the days and hours. We have thrown around this, this curriculum for a a course in logotherapy and realize it is so it's just too dang academic. It's heady. You know, how do we put together experiences? I'm, you know, my comments the other day, leaning towards more of a, maybe a group, a process group or a, a psychotherapy group or something online. But what is it that people want? We know the message is needed out there. How do people want to live and receive that message?
0: That's a great segue into today's podcast, which we're going to be exploring What Dr. Frankel called the blessing of bearing your burdens, the blessing of bearing your burdens. What does that mean? Well, in order to get there, I want to just take us back a few years, like a hundred years. And I'm going to share with you some statistics I just found. My wife's Mm -hmm. grandmother, we called Ma, would have been turning 100, I think today or tomorrow. And so I just was Mm -hmm. thinking about her and I think, well, what was her life like in 1923? Is that right? Yeah. 1923. Um, And I just came across the following in 1923. The average life expectancy was 47 years old or for men, 47 years old. I don't know how fuel for cars was only sold in drugstores. Only 14% of homes had a bathtub. Only 8% of homes had a telephone. Um, The tallest structure in the world was the Eiffel tower. It wasn't even one of our buildings here in America. The average U.S. worker made between 200 to $400 a year. More than, 90, more than 95% of all births took place at home. Sugar was $0.04 cents a pound. Eggs were $0.14 cents a dozen. Coffee was $0.15 cents a pound. They would have a heart attack at Starbucks. Most women, most women washed their hair only once a month using borax or egg yolks. Dr. Dana and I have no comment on that. The population, of Las Vegas, no right Nevada, to The population of Las Vegas, Nevada, was thirty. Wow, thirty people. Thirty people. Um, crossword puzzles, canned beer, and iced tea had not yet been invented. Canned beer, no life without canned beer. That's going to take us into suffering. There was neither a Mother's Day nor a Father's Day. Spanish flu infected about twenty percent of, twenty-seven percent of the world's population estimated to have killed at least 50 million people, you know, putting COVID in, into some context here. Mm-hmm. Women could only just vote. I think it was 1920. Uh, women, uh, Jim Crow still in existence. Jews couldn't join most country clubs. Infant mortality rate was close to 50%. The list goes on and on. Why am I taking us back 100 years? Because they had every reason to suffer. I mean, I read down some of those, lists, like no canned beer and what a life that must have been so difficult. But seriously, there's some real stuff as we say in Yiddish to fetch about, to complain mm-hmm. about, to, to say, you know, yes, you have every right to talk about suffering. I want to fast forward a hundred years later and, It isn't to say we don't have a right to suffer. I do want to get into the conversation, though, of who suffers more. Did they suffer more? Do we suffer more? It seems like every time I open up the newspaper, so to speak, I turn on social media and there's just suffering after suffering after suffering. I don't think that that was Ma's experience. I don't think that was my grandparents' experience. I don't think that they experienced their life in the, through the lens of suffering quite like we do in 2023. What do you say about all this, my friend?
1: Yep. I totally agree. Um, I, if we take it down a a logotherapeutic path, we, we suffer more because we have more free time, more leisure, less values, less direction, um, more, uh, exi- as Dr. Frankel says, more existential vacuum. Um, as, as the great Uncle Ben Parker says, uh, uncle to Spider-Man himself, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and you and I have talked about the idea with great freedom comes great responsibility. And we have that great freedom, but we don't seem to have the responsibility to use it wisely yet. And just using your example of canned beer, Right. I could leave this podcast, be gone for four minutes and come back with a fresh, cold six pack of delicious cold beer Um, and then, you know, drink all of my uh, stress and problems away within an hour. But that's a problem. Right. Like if you think about it, the work of having to either produce or procure certain luxury items, even just common day items, right? To wash your hair, do things like that. Um, The work of doing these things was meaningful. And because we don't have to maybe work as hard and we have more vacant space in in our day, in our lives, maybe we suffer because we're not sure how to utilize that time yet.
0: So really, I'm, I'm not just saying this to sort of be provocative or to, um, I don't know, set it up so that you answer it, but like what is suffering? I mean, I, I, we we say this over and over again, this word, and we're comparing their suffering and our suffering, but sometimes, at least in my head, I think I confuse pain, right? Physical, something tactile, tangible that hurts with suffering. So maybe we could just flesh out a little bit of what is suffering? Because I think that that's partially what I felt when I'm reading these statistics 100 years ago. Like, did somebody suffer because they didn't have a phone, because they didn't have a bathtub, because they didn't have canned beer? Is is that a suffering?
1: Well, I would say those around a person without a bathtub may have suffered a bit, um, <laughs> but yeah, I probably got used to it. But no, I, I don't think that was genuine suffering. In fact, I mean, come on, we complain about uh, the, the the prolific and the ubiquitous use of, of smartphones so much. Um, we suffer because of that. Imagine having you couldn't call or text the people you care about most. You had to. Take the time to journey, to visit them and be in their presence, to have a conversation. That's true connection. I don't think that's suffering. But as you know, as we've accelerated our growth and evolution and, and technological prowess, um, I think maybe in some ways we haven't been ready for the advances we've made and, and maybe those have caused some form of suffering as yeah, we learn really- how to utilize them in a meaningful way.
0: So, um, I think part of what we're talking about here is just really redefining this word, this idea, this concept of suffering, because when I talk to people and they're talking about the suffering that they're like, I just did this. I was telling you about my suffering prior to our call about my RV is in the shop and we've missed literally five trips, um, that we were going to go on small, little, you know, whatever. And, and if I'm not careful, I'll really believe that suffering. And if I do that all day, every day with, you know, somebody cut me off in traffic and the line at the store was like so long and it was just, I was just so hard. I came out, I was so mad. I think part of it is challenging the word we're using because when we use the same word for all these experiences, it becomes meaningless. One example, I have teenage daughters every time they hang up the phone with their girlfriends it's oh i love you i love you too i love i, I love i love you i love you if, if you use i love you that much you're not even saying i love you anymore you're just saying goodbye mm-hmm. right and so we have to be very mindful or conscientious about the words we're using
1: well and i think i think a thoughtful consideration of what true suffering is definitely you know brings it I think there's a balance to be had there, right? I mean, there are people in the world who are truly suffering, don't have clean water or eating diseased food or or, or children dying of terminal illnesses. Yeah, you and I aren't experiencing that. And and maybe, you know, some of our audience might be or may not be, but I think we also risk, uh, maybe, you know, there is a risk in, in comparing our suffering to others. None of us in this time, but not many, I would say there are few surviving people who have endured uh, the Nazi concentration camps. Most of us have not had to endure that level of suffering, but does that mean we haven't suffered in life?
0: No. And I'm going to push back on this and say, that's certainly, that's not where I'm going. And um, because I just hung up with the phone with a woman who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. That's not, that's, that's, that's her suffering. I mean, that's, that's as real as it gets, but for somebody else, I was talking to them and they have tinnitus or tinnitus and mm-hmm. it's really wreaking havoc on their life. And just compare the two is, is, is pointless because it's, it's legitimately causing them suffering. I guess for me, I'm just saying I want to have an ability to have a distinction in my own life between, look, I miss my dad every single day of my life. There's a suffering component that is there. I miss my RV during the summer. It's not exactly the same thing. And one is suffering and one is just an annoyance, One's frustrating. So that's what I'm saying, getting back to a nuance of language for my own self. You know, naming Mm -hmm. it, that's frustrating, that's annoying, that's a pain in the ass. This is suffering. And I'm not saying, Mm -hmm. and I know you're not saying that suffering can only be reserved for the mega life experiences
1: we suffer a little bit every day right we all experience it in some degree um, but as we know it's it's what we do about it right suffering that can be changed some suffering that we can do something about we are we are bound to do something about it because refusing to do something about suffering right to change it if we can is just masochism right it, It's just it, it, for some people it's just uh, enduring for the need for attention or to say how much they're suffering But the suffering of modern day often can be changed. But then there are true, there is true suffering in the world, terminal illnesses, uh, uh, betrayals, um, you know, how we treat each other sometimes that we can't always change, but we get to choose how we deal with it, how we cope with it, how we grow, how we learn from it.
0: And we both know that's one of the great contributions of Frankel and Logotherapy is that it presents suffering. So we've now just kind of sort of distinguished kind of getting rid of the things that are annoying, that are whatever. But, but like you're saying, there are right now and everybody who's listening can find something in their life that is legitimate suffering. When you start you know, going through the annoyance um, list, yeah, a lot of it falls away, but there's always something in our lives. And when we come to that thing that's truly suffering, as Frankl taught, it's a new approach to suffering. You know, one of the things that I think our society has been very focused on is it's not supposed to be there, right? Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to have it. It's an anomaly. It's abnormal, as opposed to every other era of human history, which is suffering is a human reality. You can't get rid of it so easily. You can't have cold beer all the time. And what do you do with it when you run into the suffering? Well, Frankel, one of his strategies was can you bear the burden of your suffering what does that mean dr dan
1: well i mean to your point the greatest stories throughout story throughout history throughout ancient history have been about suffering have been about the tragic hero bearing their burden and growing from it and that's what we're challenged to do today and i think in a way that answers your question what does it mean to to bear your suffering. As I talked about in our uh, Meaning Mastermind last week, you know, Dr. Frankel talks about the tragic triad, pain, guilt, and death, all forms of human suffering that we can't escape. And he balances that with tragic optimism. What do we do with suffering? What do we do with pain? We are challenged to turn it into some form of achievement or accomplishment. We're challenged to grow from it.
0: And it's uniquely yours. I don't care if you're going through a loss and your friends going through a loss, they're not the same loss. They're different people, you're different people. It's uniquely yours. I mean, what you know? What in our life is really uniquely ours? And it's a new way to think about, this is my, do I want it? I don't want it. Like mm-hmm. I, I say all the time, i trade in everything I've learned and experienced positively from my dad's death for my dad. But that ain't the choice. Either it's meaningless, and I'm without him, or it's meaningful, and I'm without him. Though that's the choice, and so this is uniquely mine. I got to go into it to find what's uniquely meaningful to me, and that all of a sudden becomes almost like a, like a task, a job, a mission.
1: Yeah, it, it is our mission. I, I believe that that mission gives life. Well. <laughs> gives life meaning it gives life purpose it gives us that robustness of seeking out the answer to our suffering you know as i heard you recounting that story i sat here thinking of of some of the just the past week in my clinical practice and even some of the coaching i do i thought oh my god i i deal in suffering you know i i I truly deal in suffering on a daily basis i like deal not like work with but like i feel like a, a poker dealer dealing out suffering and helping people um Uh, change their hand as it comes to their suffering and that's uh or play their hand hand. as as we talked about the other day where that post-it go it had on on my computer um as you said our our modern culture wants us to get over it to take a pill to manage it um i've heard of, of physicians doling out antidepressants for people going through grief and loss i think My goodness, let them be in it. That's what we talked about yesterday. Being in it, enduring it, embracing it, sitting with it, and allowing it to change you. Embracing it. That's the mission. Not getting over it. Not sweeping it under the rug. Not giving yourself two weeks to grieve and saying, okay, I'm good now. Life doesn't work that way.
0: And I'm guilty of this, you know, my, my Enneagram type is the eight, the challenger, the push through the, the, the fight to, you know, get through it. And, and I find myself telling myself that I find myself telling others that, and I think there's a time to power through, but there's also a time just, can you, can you just sit in it? Can you not move? Can you not try and fix, can you just stand or sit in what you're in? You know, this is the idea behind um, in in Jewish mourning, um, the Shiva process. A lot of people know after uh, in Jewish tradition, after somebody dies, you sit for seven days. And what do you do? Nothing. You just sit there for seven days in the darkness and the tears and the grief or in the nothingness. I mean, maybe you're not crying, but can you just sit for seven days? Now, at the end of seven days, you got to get up and go out into the world. But it's a challenge. I'm not saying I do it all the time, or others do it, but it's a challenge. I think it is also countercultural to the world we live in.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Too often in the world we live in, it is a get over it attitude. Get over it and move on. That's uh, that's, that's eight hole. Yeah. Power through it. Power. <clears throat> absolutely. Um, I want to bring up a, a quote you shared from uh, you know, one of one of Dr. Frankel's uh, favorite authors. Not just Dr. Frankel, but our good friend Dr. Jordan B. Peterson as well. Often quotes russian officer Dostoevsky, and uh, you shared this the other day as we were talking about this topic if i may steal your quote there's only one thing that i dread not to be worthy of my sufferings these words frequently came to mind after i uh, became acquainted with those martyrs whose behavior in concentration camp whose suffering and death bore witness to the fact that the last inner freedom cannot be lost it can be said that they were worthy of their sufferings the way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner achievement. It is this spiritual freedom, which cannot be taken away. That might, makes life meaningful and purposeful. That goes also back about 100 years, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, 18, Maybe late 1800s. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was a philosophy major and it's been a long time since I read like crime of punishment and whatever else he wrote. But um, I do remember that he was struck he was a struggling artist, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, he died, I think, penniless. I remember he he blew all his money in, on poker, maybe, or roulette or something. He his wife died, his brother died. Like he had a miserable life. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is not a man who's writing from the ivory tower, right, um, theory. This this is a man who's in it and he's saying it. I think that's why I've always liked Dostoevsky. That's why I, I love Frankel. Like he was mm-hmm. writing it in it not just Mm -hmm. pontificating like us
1: yeah well (laughs) right true Uh, i think the thing about frankel is he he took that suffering and he truly turned it into human achievement he took you know he had his theories and ideas before the concentration camps but he had to really use them and test them and they were found i mean he found them to work and so then he committed his life to continuing to share them and going back to the okay. point no you and i have not endu- okay go ahead you got something No, i'm just gonna challenge you but keep finishing and then well as i was saying you and i have not endured the concentration camps but we've endured our own true suffering in different ways either in the loss of loved ones or people we care about or in different ways and we've found ways to work through it work or around it or
0: not even work through it or not even work around it but just get out my ass handed to me and still standing. Like for me, you know, it's, it's a low bar, but like my, my father killed himself, my grandmother killed herself. And I've always told myself that the one thing that is not an option is to be a third generation. And right. so if I'm breathing, if I'm talking, if I'm still above ground, that means I am, you know, still standing literally and mm-hmm. figuratively. And sometimes that's, you know, that's what I think we got to get to when we, when we put on people, this Herculean, you know, hero's journey of orders of magnitude, big, live your life, start a new organization after the death of a child and change the world. Like, okay, but survive. Yeah. Like surviving can be heroic, just survive.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes actually surviving and carrying on is more heroic because often we can get distracted maybe addicted to the pursuit of of big time organizations and and don't get me wrong i've i've been a part of some of those and i've 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 you know they do great work but sometimes those that seek that are forgetting to do their own work of grieving or being in their loss their suffering
0: totally i you know of the, all the funerals that i did i remember so many got to good works got to starting the foundation got to making it matter too quickly, you know, the mm. child died and they're already out trying to figure out how to redeem it and fix the broken world, which is beautiful, but not as a form. We've had this conversation, not a form of, of bypass, bypassing right. the darkness, bypassing your emotions, bypassing, just surviving.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, curious, okay, so, go ahead. You're going to challenge.
0: Go, go, go. Nope, go. You
1: first. Well, so, I'm, I'm just curious. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to play the, the role that I get, you know, variations of this all the time. But I come to you as a client and Dr. Dan, this is great. But, you know, like my my husband just cheated on me and left me with two small kids. And he's totally narcissistic. And I got to like, you know, figure out how to live. And you're telling me. Right. That there's blessings in this burden like screw you blessings in this burden
1: well you might not want to hear what i have to say at the beginning if you're so angry and ready just to yell at <laughs> your at your uh, therapist coach whatever you might want to call me but ironically be i mean i was just dealing with this this morning in and in a and i had to apologize to the uh, young gentleman i was dealing with because i was just i was smiling for him i was beaming i was excited for him um just a real difficult path of, of the past few years of marriage filled with infidelity um, uh, and breaks from the, the breaks uh, in the marriage and some substance use and addiction. I said, man, I am excited for where you get to go from here. The fact that, that you and I are talking and you're willing to give yourself over to make some changes and to realize, yeah, don't get me wrong, your pain right now is real what do you want to do with it because you can't go back to addiction and substance use that hasn't led anywhere so what do you want to do with it how can you sit in it how can you let it allow how can you allow it to change you in a positive way instead of the negativity you've been you've been working in and from there i've dealt with uh, i've worked in marital infidelity for quite a while and have seen those willing to be in it to do the work to take both sides take responsibility man some amazing things come from that time is a great healer but doing the work of as we've talked about taking personal responsibility embracing suffering and growing from it can yield well that crisis can yield a a more beautiful marriage than what was there previously
0: so um was uh like you said dostoevsky said there's only one thing that i dread not to be worthy of my sufferings and um this is something that you know i have conversations about every single day it's not you know to that woman who came storming in your office and yelling at you right i don't i wish you could go back unwind it and be at the wedding canopy 20 years earlier and have a do-over but you can't so worthy worthy of your suffering, right? Can you step into this as yours and yours alone to um, to own, to carry, to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, eventually transform tragedy into triumph, as Dr. Frankel mm-hmm. said.
1: And, and as we talk about often between you and I and the podcast, to take responsibility for. These things don't happen in a vacuum. Where can you take responsibility, learn, and grow from it? Yes, that partner that husband has dealt you an ugly hand but where can you learn from that experience you know would you want to go back 20 years and change the 20 years completely probably not because i'm betting there was some good that came of it but right now it's not what do you want to do about it how do you want to be in it and grow from it
0: worthy of our burdens i think when even when i say that it's a it's a whole new way to approach Burden, struggle, suffering, and we don't only, you know, have to be talking about again the mega moments. We can be talking about, um, you know, the struggle of like you're you're in a job that's not fulfilling, but you got to pay the bills, and Mm -hmm. so worthy of the of showing up and doing this and paying those bills and just worthy of the burdens. To me, even just sort of as a mantra is helpful.
1: I agree. Uh, You know, we bring it up often. We live in a time where we get to choose just about everything that goes into our head, and if we, you know, into our mind, into our being, we get to learn. We we have all the past thousands of years of history and experience in the palm of our hands. There's no reason not to grow from these sufferings, right? It used to be, I don't know what to do. Okay, well then you need to seek guidance, but you can always find something to do now to learn to grow to to commune to connect with other suffering people and again to find ways to become better because of it i think that is that is what we need in human nature that's why suffering has been written about for thousands of years it's the human condition but we also get to choose what we do about it
0: i'll start wrapping it up here but i want to share from uh, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, again, for those who don't know, this was written in the Holocaust. This was written in the context, or it was written afterwards, but it was in the context of a concentration camp that it was imagined. Frankel says, once the meaning of suffering had been revealed to us, the prisoners, we refused to minimize or alleviate the camp's tortures by ignoring them or harboring false illusions and entertaining artificial optimism. Suffering had become a task on which we did not want to turn our backs. We had realized it's hidden opportunities for achievement, the opportunities which caused the poet Roka to write how much suffering there is to get through, right? There was plenty of suffering for us to get through. To me, this is how you take back your power, right? Your responsibility, Mm -hmm. your ability to respond is by no longer Sitting around and saying, why me? Like, it has its place. It has its time. But it is an unanswerable question. And as um, one of Frankel's students and another Holocaust survivor, Edith Eger, said, the shift from victim to survivor is victims say, why me? Survivors say, now what?'," what? Now what can I do with this suffering? And that's a paradigm shift
1: go back there there was a two-word phrase used in there that i've already forgotten because i've taken it to modern times what was that about a false optimism or positive what was that
0: yeah um uh, false illusions and entertaining an artificial optimism
1: artificial optimism what do we call that today b is that not toxic positivity today <laughs> toxic positivity oh right like ugh, so gross like it just if every <laughs> i <I've> been... <laughs> Uh, this has got me in trouble a couple times as I've tried to ignore my suffering my my wife asked how you everything okay you know I've had some injuries lately hey how's how's your knee doing and I just look at her and I give her the old Lego movie answer everything's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah right she has some really unpleasant things to say I cannot repeat without pressing the explicit button but uh, you know everything isn't awesome and, and you know we don't have to engage in this false positivity we don't have to take medication to make it better sometimes it's just being in the suffering and growing from it and and as edith tells us coming up with now what what can i do now
0: well, yeah one of our favorite movies and then we really will wrap it up because the running man's about done um is uh, one of our favorite tv shows of course is ted lasso mm-hmm. and for those of you who haven't watched, I guess it's a spoiler alert. You might want to hit pause. It's not much of one. But the, the, the TV show, I wondered how it was going to go into a second and third season. The first season was fun. It was great. But you didn't see, you saw all you really saw was toxic positivity. I mean, Ted is a case study in toxic positivity until he faces the darkness, his particular darkness, his particular burdens. And he starts finding, he's, he starts just wanting to be worthy Of those burdens, to to carry them as opposed to run from them. And to me, that was the shift. And when this TV show became epic, like it was fun Mm -hmm. and funny, but then it became like truly profound because I saw the man grow in a way that, you know, obviously character, but it's the piece in all of us that couldn't have grown without the, without the struggle, without the burdens. And that was when it flipped, right? It's no longer the burdens are no longer an obstacle. It's actually the pathway
1: without that darkness in the series it goes back to what it first was and it was just a campy beer commercial with a guy with a funny accent but yeah. with that darkness with the trials with the struggles that he and and so many other uh, characters on the show endured embraced and grew through i mean that's what made that show as you said epic truly beautiful and, and i can't tell people enough like once you get through all the episodes of the Meanie academy and the defiant spirit and the meaning project podcast. I mean, I think your next dive is, uh, into Ted Lasso and seeing the, the beauty and the meaning and the struggle and the suffering in that series.
0: So, I'll end with this, not Frankel, it is, um, Rilke and I'm just paraphrasing, but it just really weighs on me all the time. Life is about being defeated by ever bigger problems. Right. And so it's reframing the struggles you're going through, the burdens you're enduring, the darkness that you're facing, not as something to, you know, be looked at as an anomaly, as shouldn't be here. It is here. If How do we know it should be here? Because it's here. Now, what do you do with it? Now what? And ultimately moving through it to ever bigger problems and growing through the process. Any final words, my brother, Dr. Dan?
1: No, man, I need to save my voice for the upcoming uh, in a few minutes here. B and I are going to transfer over to the Meaning Mastermind. Now, you're probably catching this uh, after the Meaning Mastermind, so you're going to miss us uh, recounting this idea with our group of Meaning Seekers. What a wonderful group of people we have on a a rotating basis. Some people have been there every time, others pop in when they can, and many others still listen to the recording on our Facebook page. But I got to tell you, um, it's so fun doing what you and I get to do here and taking it to a live audience with our friends, Dr. Elise Cortez and Scott Schaffman and all those other people there. And not just you and I talking the academics of you know, you know what we talk about here, but really bouncing around with real, real world problems. So if you have the opportunity, I would highly encourage you to jump on over 3 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. Sign up for the weekly ma- mailer at themeaningacademy.com or .org. And you'll find out all about what we're getting ready to talk about and you you are welcome to uh as me and i said give us some ideas let us know what you want to talk about what you want to learn use this as your opportunity to have us uh you know bounce some questions around
0: and with that live your life with meaning purpose and resilience we'll catch you in the next podcast
1: take care everybody
0: You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at themeaningacademy.com, where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.